0: Welcome to the Stepsero podcast. I'm here with Dr. Sarah. Uh, I hope I can take the liberty to call you Dr. Sarah. Um, she's an advocate for brain health, and I'm absolutely honored to have her on the podcast. Dr. Sarah, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And of course, you can call me Dr. Sarah.
0: Perfect. And we'll go with Dr. Sarah. Um, you are an expert on brain health, and uh, we've had uh, a couple of chats before the recording. You uh, explain to me at least the basics uh, around brain health, but I would like you to do the same uh, right here, right now, and see if our listeners can get at least the, the the gist of it.
1: So I love the brain, and one of the things that we have uh, gotten away from is the idea that the brain can change for the better over time. Uh, so over the last several years, everybody has been worried about how the brain has been affected by mental stress, by sadness. But what we haven't talked about are proactive ways, especially in organizations, that people can um, up-level their brains to be more useful in organizations to sleep better, to have better work-life balance to have less rigidity in their work, to bring more creativity. So one of my passions is refocusing the idea that the brain is just another organ in the body and actually reintroducing it as the main driver in why employees stay, why employees leave, why leaders lead, why leaders follow. It really is the crux of everything because people need a healthy brain and in order for us to really move to what I consider to be a higher level of functioning in organizations where people are encouraged to stay and fostered to grow, we all really need to be swimming and rowing in the same direction. And that requires foundationally everybody to be the same, which means that we may be different. We, our brains may function different, but we all have to at least have healthy brains in order to up-level.
0: Beautiful. May I ask why do you feel so strongly about the importance of brain health within organizations?
1: It's interesting because most people, when I started working with organizations, actually tried to defer me back to working one-on-one with clients. Um, And for me, I grew up in a corporate household. My dad had a great job um, in the automotive industry. And You know, we had a great life across the board, but I got to see what stress and long-term effects of a lot of travel, um, poor health choices, long meetings, really lack of reinforcement from the organization level. I got to see kind of the long-term detrimental effects. And you know, once I went into private practice, I learned in short order that many of the same things that my dad was experiencing, even while well into retirement now, are things that my people are leaving their organizations to come on their lunch hour to come see me because they want the help. They want to be proactive. They want the support to be able to age gracefully and to be able to be expansive and grow. But right now, they're having a hard time either with their organizations buying in Or the organizations don't know how to help support them. And so they're kind of stuck. And so I don't, I, you know, we're all born with different gifts and talents. And for me, I get up every day hoping that people hear the message loud and proud that organizations can have really expansive, happy, healthy employees and really set new and expansive goals without revamping the entirety of their organization. So that in a nutshell, I don't know why I do it because I love it. I think I'm great at it. I think, you know, for me, it's such a big topic, but at the same time with very tangible steps, um, you know, when you just know what you're called to do, you just know what you're called to do. And this is what I feel called to do. And I'm thrilled, you know, to be able to get up every day and try and make an impact in that direction.
0: How do companies perceive the importance of brain health like based on your experience of course, like I can imagine you're um cooperating with with many of them. I read in your bio, which is absolutely impressive that you've had over fifty thousand patient interactions um how do how do companies perceive and and understand? Uh, the the importance of brain health? Are they mostly on board? Are they are they scared? Are they skeptical about it? What What's your take on this?
1: Well, first of all, I don't think brain health really is a commonplace term. Um, and so when I start talking about brain health, I use the term as an inclusive concept for a lot of the smaller concepts that organiz- organizations can't really get a footing on. So you know, corporations that I hear a lot of lack of productivity, lack of creativity, high turnover rates, um, the conveyor belt mentality where, you know, we're not we're not really bringing new ideas to the table. We are just continuing to reinvent the old ones that are tired and not really useful for, uh, you know, movement into the future. So one of the things and the other thing that I hear oftentimes that isn't really referred to as brain health is the idea that. We're bringing in more training. We're helping our leadership grow. But foundationally, we haven't tapped into making sure each individual is whole and making sure their brain is firing the way it needs to in order to take in that training to rise to the level of a new leader. And so although brain health is not referred to in organizations right now, I feel like we're all speaking the same language. You know, it's like, Uh, when people say they put paint on a rusted car, right? The car isn't any more functional. The car can't drive any further. Uh, It's not any more appealing or attractive. It just has a new coat of paint on it. And I think organizations, without saying it, are really tired of doing things the way they've been doing it because the outcomes they're getting are not the outcomes that they're hoping for, or they're wanting, or that are either going to even help their employees. And so a lot of organizations really do want healthy employees. And up until this point, they haven't had the guidance to do it because most of their competitors are following an app or they're implementing, you know, a basic generalized strategy. And you and I both know each person in your organization needs something different. And that's one of the misnomers when we start talking about corporate wellness strategies, health in the workplace, um, healthy cultures, is you can individually create a plan for someone to thrive in an organization without breaking the budget. And up until this point, that's been completely illogical and the wrong way to think. And so we've gotten overgeneralized with every person being just a replica of the person before, and therefore they need the same thing. And what I propose and what I've been really successful with is helping organizations individualize the support that their employees need, whether they've got a 100 people or a 100,000 people. So that way each individual gets what they need and the overall plan of the organization still gets fulfilled
0: interesting and you you touched on a on a very crucial point in my opinion which is lots of companies nowadays relying on apps softwares um, many different kinds of programs that are probably not really catering to the individuals but rather the entire organization or at least groups of individuals Uh, how do you complement with what you do the work of these apps or is there a complementary action on your side or on their side? Do they go hand in hand together? And how do you get this message across leaders within companies?
1: So bridging strategies is one of the many talents that I feel like I bring to an organization. So you know, if you're working one-on-one with an individual, you have to monitor where their level of overwhelm is. And that could depend on how much sleep they've gotten. That could depend on how many external variables they have. And much the same way, you have to do that with an organization. So if I'm going to come into an organization and help them up-level, I have to give them tips, strategies, and tools that can Um, enhance what they currently have, help them celebrate how far they've already gotten, but with a small tweak can help exponentially change the outcome that they're going for. So I think apps are wonderful. I think AI is a wonderful way to add value to organizations, to individuals, to many areas of life. What I will argue, though, is the way the brain works, if it's not firing wholly, then then parts of the brain needed for focus and energy and uh, motivation and drive aren't aren't foundationally there. So a lot of times we use words like toxic or lazy or unmotivated in regards to employees. And what I would argue is I think the motivation's there. I think foundationally getting the brain health where it needs to be reestablishes that people are energetically wanna show up to your organization. They want to help thrive, but the brain isn't firing on all cylinders. And so an app is great. A training program is great, but I, I would argue that's almost the second tier. It's not the first tier as far as where we come in to help organizations actually thrive. So I think I think a lot of companies are using the second tier as the first step foundation. I would say keep everything that you currently have going and then add a foundational layer to make sure that everybody is able to show up to be able to wanna to use the app, to wanna to be able to use the wellness programs that you have. Not everybody, you know, I could get up and say, I'm not motivated to go to the gym today, but I know I need to go to the gym. So I go, because I know how the brain works and I know what the ramifications are. For people who don't live in the world that I've lived in, sometimes having well-trusted experts support them so that way they can feel better will then lead to them taking action. But I find very few people in the stressful world that they live in will take action before they start to feel better. And so with work-life balance being off, with you know, stress, stress at work, with deadlines, I just really find why would we not help people give the shortest path to feeling different, more successful, more motivated? and then expand to what they currently already have, rather than lengthening the path and making it harder and more stressful than it needs to be. I'm all about efficiency.
0: Um, Are there specific steps to your method? So let's say I can imagine a scenario where you're called to collaborate with an organization. Uh, What are the, if I can call them the ABC steps that you that you take in order to get this started?
1: So a lot of what I do is inquiry. I never assume I know what's going on with someone else. I never assume I know what's going on with another organization. And to be quite honest, I could have three organizations who have very similar footprints with three similar issues going on and three different approaches that we would take to help their company move from point A to point B. So I think part of what we need to re- reestablish is this idea that not every problem or situation needs the same solution. So when I come in, we at first we're aware. So I come into an organization, obviously we're meeting as a team because I'm not coming in to overhaul anything. I'm coming in to meet a team of people who are just as committed to helping their organization as I am take their organization to a different level with new tools. So, first, we're aware. What is going on? How did we get here? What are the biggest challenges you're currently experiencing? And we go through a fact finding phase, uh, which helps give me some clarity and get me up to speed as far as what's going on with the culture of their organization. But it also gives the team. Um, whether that's C-suite, whether that's executives, whether that's leadership in general, an opportunity to spend some time with me. And actually probably data gather on their own, because a lot of the questions that I ask organizations, they don't they're not sure of the answer. So once we've done the data gathering, we're aware that there's some things that we'd like to up level on, that we're okay, that we're good. We're making different choices. We're going to move in a different direction. Then we do the adapt phase. Now the adapt phase for me can be anywhere from two month engagements to several year long engagements to what I would consider my dream clients, which we just continue to evolve and uptick in new ways to help the company just really set itself apart from the competition. And that's where we really start to put the, you know, the rubber meets the road. So what is the next step to help bridge the gap between where employees and executives are And how do we help with the shortest distance, get them to where they want to go? And then I have to take and we have to take the way they function as an organization and start to marry in some smaller, tangible ways that we can start uh, helping their employees uh, move from point A to point B, have a more balanced life, uh, feel more successful in the workplace, feel like they want to stay with the organization, etc., etc., So we are aware that there is a concern. We are aware that the organization is committed to helping their employees. Then we move to the phase of adaptation where we take the information that we're now aware of that we've garnered. We are finding ways with the company and their enthusiasm to move the organization into new directions. And then our last phase is the acceleration phase. The acceleration phase is really once we've reestablished a foundation for the organization, The organization is comfortable with where they're at, they're comfortable with the progress, they're excited, and it's opening doors of creativity of what what is actually possible. Because you have to figure an organization, there's a ceiling on what they can do currently, And I would argue that ceiling starts to go higher and higher and almost starts to disappear when you have high functioning individuals who are now not only showing up a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more creative, a little bit more productive. We have exponential growth. So imagine if you've got a thousand employees who are now functioning at a much higher level. They're sleeping much better. They're much more excited to come to work. You've not only you've not incrementally increased not only your bottom line. You've not only incrementally increased your interaction with your customers. You're not. You've not only incre- incrementally increased your reach within the the world, your, your client base, you've exponentially increased all of those in all directions.
0: And is there, is there any part of this process that, that is usually particularly challenging either for you or for companies or for individuals?
1: I would argue across the board, the most challenging part, is to not point the finger outward, but to take the accountability inward. So much of what I find with people is I want my organization to improve. And then it comes to self-reflection. Am I showing up as the leader I want to? Am I reflecting on my ways that I could improve and show up as a different leader? Am I sh- am I finding ways that I can show up differently or that I'm breaking down some of my bad habits? Um, I think change for a lot of people is very difficult. I would argue with the right influence, change actually becomes something that you look forward to. So the only challenging part, because I actually really enjoy working with people and I think it can be really fun. So the last thing I want it to be is extra stressful. So I consider the process to be fun, but a lot of people, organizations, need to have some self-accountability. What am I bringing to the table that's adding toxicity to my organization? What am I bringing to the table that is not my best? What am I bringing to the table that is contrary to our values and beliefs? And so I think once, especially on an uh, executive level, leadership level, I think once everybody is on the same page about why and how they got there uh, without judgment or, um, or any negativity, I think that's when the real conversation starts
0: and would you say then that um, self accountability is particularly crucial at the very initial phase of uh, of your intervention if i may call it that way
1: well i would say it's it's absolutely necessary because to be honest with you an organization is not going to bring me in to help optimize their already wonderful employees if they haven't bought into the idea, number one, that they believe that their employees can be great, that they wanna be part of the solution and not the problem. And number three, that uh, they believe that they have th- the greatest employees on the planet and they wanna reward them for their dedicated dedication to the organization. If those three components are not there, for an organization, they're gonna talk with me, we're gonna review things, they're gonna ask me questions and I'm not even gonna fall within something they're willing to commit to because we're not aligned in what our goals are and what the outcome is. So for me, if an organization, once we've committed to work together, once we've committed to help their employees be everything that they wanna be, we've already established that accountability is a foundational core value um, on both sides.
0: When I was looking into, um, you know, brain health and uh, and somehow preparing for, for this conversation, I inevitably came across the idea of uh, there being different brain types. Um, and I, for one, I am quite ignorant on the matter. And could you maybe explain to me in a few words what we mean when we say brain types and how and, and, and why are these relevant to, to the idea of brain health?
1: Absolutely. So uh, neurology across the board, the study of the nervous system, uh, neuroscientists, it seems to be a very complex concept that we have tried to simplify to essentially the layperson, someone who doesn't have a clinical background, someone who doesn't have a foundation in the sciences, someone who is not working with high-level coaching. So the brain assessments for me have been a great tool to help show people that they don't have a weak brain, they just have a brain that's not firing correctly. So the brain assessments have been a way for me to help people Understand why they have some of the what we call idiosyncrasies, why they why some of these patterns seem to repeat themselves, depending on how their brain is functioning. And then step by step process on how to get them tangible outcomes where they start acting different, thinking different, feeling different, which obviously then, you know, Mateo, they're going to show up different They're going to, you know what I mean? They're going to be in their organization in a totally different way.
0: This may be a silly question, um, but how many brain types are out there? Are there many brain types? Are we talking three? Are we talking 20? Are we talking thousands?
1: So, Most people fall into several brain type categories. And then from there, you can have a mix of several. And so when we talk about different brain types, um, different diets are, are helpful for certain brain types. Different supplements are helpful for certain brain type, different types of movements, activities, meditations, yoga, weightlifting. All of that varies based on how your brain is wired. So once we know what brain type you have, then we can get specific about small, tangible ways that you can actually usefully help your brain accelerate. So there's not a thousand. Uh, We actually are probably all more similar than we anticipate we are. And that's why sometimes the rigidity that I find in corporate America seems to disappear. Well, I don't like working with Mateo. He's really hard to get along with. I don't like working with Susie. She sends me a thousand emails a day the way we interact with the world starts to completely change when the processing system, our brain starts giving us different feedback to allow us to show up differently in the world. So the rigidity starts to go away and everybody starts to play better in the same sandbox, which is ultimately what we want.
0: Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And of course you hear all over the place. Now you hear about, Supplements, we were discussing supplements right before we hit uh, the record button for this conversation, Um, diets, exercises, and all of that, I believe it's slowly being ingrained ingrained in society. I think slowly people uh, are starting to understand that all these things play a huge factor. But indeed, they may be currently very much lost as to how to start, how to take the first step. And from what I understand, what you are doing is also helping, well, specifically professionals, find their first steps, and then obviously uh, being the perfect companion sort of along the way.
1: I consider myself to be a liaison. So whether I'm working with an individual or whether I'm working with an organization, we've got an auditorium of people and I'm standing on stage with a microphone. I really am the liaison. And there's two things off the bat that I hope that the people I work with understand, appreciate, and embrace. The first one is my friendliness. You have to want to passionately work with other people in a manner that they feel embraced, supported, and encouraged, or it's a no-go. So out of the gate, no matter who I come in contact with, whether they've paid me, whether it's someone at the coffee shop, I think being friendly costs absolutely nothing. And I think the dividends on both the recipient and and the giver are huge. The second one is hope. So regardless of what the methodologies are for the outcomes that we provide for organizations, the outcomes I hope for in my life, everybody needs a little bit of hope and they need someone who's walking alongside them to help give them that hope when they don't have it. So I've had people say to me, how do you know without without unwavering question that you're going to get the outcome that you tell me that we're going to get? And I'm like, because I know how the body works. I know how the brain works. And I know how organizations work. And when all three of those things, I confidently know how they work. I've seen the outcomes myself. I said, I just have to hold the hope for you right now while you're uncertain and you're afraid and you're skeptical and let you step into your power. So that way, ultimately, you realize that you're way more powerful than you are. And so I think for people, they're not looking for a five-step program. They're not looking for someone to give them new tips, tricks, tools. I think they're really looking for a completely different way of interacting with other people that allows them to liven up. It it sets their soul on fire. It brings them a whole new level of of, uh, awareness and how they can show powerfully in the world and actually help the world improve in ways they never thought that they could.
0: Well, that's, that's amazing. I, I'm happy I asked that question. Um, We are in the, let's say final couple of minutes of our, of our conversation. And there's one thing that I believe makes sense to ask you at this point, do you have any particular hope specifically in the, in the field of brain health for 2023?
1: For me, it's that we stop compartmentalizing what's going on in big industry right now. And we start really focusing on the fact that we're all talking about the same thing. We're just describing it different. So, you know, whether people want to stay in corporate, whether people want to leave corporate, whether people want to feel more supported, whether people feel like they don't have good teammates, whether they want more revenue. I think at the end of the day, we're having the wrong conversation. I think foundationally, people want to feel valued. I think organizations want to feel, you know, people in organizations want to feel valued. I think they want to feel healthy. You know, one of the things that you and I originally talked about was this idea that I don't think people have to wait to retire in order to live their life. And that's a mantra that I live every day myself. And that's a mantra I really bring in and facilitate when I work with organizations that I think life is meant to be lived, life is meant to be expansive and life is meant to be enjoyed. Even if you are working inside an organization that needs some tweaks and modifications to allow all of the pieces and parts and functions to all work a little bit more seamlessly together.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a very legit hope. Um, Dr. Sarah, how do people get in touch with you? How does a company uh, contact you? How can we find you on the internet or whatever that is?
1: So I have a website. It is www.drsarawhedon.com. There's a link at the bottom to reach out to me. Um, I love taking all of my intake calls right now to be honest with you. I think it's the most personal touch and I want people to know that I'm committed. Uh, and other than that, eventually social media.
0: Beautiful. And we will obviously hyperlink your website in the in the step Zero website and whenever we get a hold of those social media links, please send them our way and we will do the same. Um, for now, I can only say thank you so much for being super available, super nice. Uh, You've been wonderful through the whole process. And uh, I very much hope we can have a second, maybe third, maybe whatever amount of uh, recordings in the future.
1: It's a date. Thanks, Mateo.
0: Thank you very much.